are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Monday, February 8th. The 2020 NFL season has officially come and gone. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and wanted to take the opportunity today on the show uh, to put the Dolphins up against the champs. Obviously, Tampa Bay won Super Bowl 55 in dominant fashion, 31-9. to Over the Kansas City Chiefs, I know there's some narratives out there about the way this game played out, and Dolphins fans want to point to that and use that as a case in point for direction. We should go as a franchise. So there's a lot to get into uh, as it pertains to the Miami Dolphins and the litmus test of what a championship caliber program looks like. And um, before we get into measuring the Dolphins against Tampa Bay or measuring the Dolphins against the Chiefs, Uh, Quick shout-out to the Chiefs uh, for joining the 1971 Miami Dolphins as one of only three teams in the history of the Super Bowl to not not score a touchdown in the entirety of the game, which is insane to me when you take into account just how dominant and explosive the Chiefs' offense was all season long. We unfortunately got first-hand taste of it as Dolphins fans. Between like four minutes of game clock between the end of the first half and beginning of the second half, Kansas City had 21 points. And scored, what, 33 in its entirety? But the bigger storyline, or the biggest storyline coming out of the Super Bowl was Patrick Mahomes looking human against a very, very good Tampa Bay defensive front who heated up pressure on him and was able to effectively make him run for his life. The statistic, uh, which is just absolutely insane, is Tom Brady on his dropbacks in this football game. Uh, He traveled a total distance of 37 yards within the pocket on his pass attempts. Patrick Mahomes covered more than 460 yards on dropbacks. Not scrambles, not runs. On pass attempts, 460-plus yards versus 37 for Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes pressured on 52% of his dropbacks. Chiefs, ironically enough, uh, they went five-man protection, put a lot of pressure on their offensive line on 92% of their snaps in this football game in which the Buccaneers just continued to tee off on a bunch of backup offensive linemen for the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's a big prevalent thought this morning on Dolphins social media is this is the case for Penny Sewell to be the addition uh, to the Dolphins offensive line with the number three pick in the NFL draft. You know, let's not overthink this. You need a line. Yes, you do need a line. Uh, And Penny Sewell uh, is a player who, when you give him a little bit of time to develop and, and further his techniques and you know we need to kind of vet uh, where his level of play is going to be without playing in the 2020 season uh, there may be some quote-unquote ring rust there uh, so if the choice is Penesul, I would strongly encourage Dolphins fans do not get discouraged if the early returns um, are not 
what your expectations would be. Uh, because we, we've seen kind of that split take place with Tua Tagovailoa, right? And there's, there's some who want to completely get off the ride. Uh, there's some who would be very good with Tagovailoa as the starter, but also uh, interested in exploring other options. And there's that section of the fan base that is very devout in the corner of Tua Tagovailoa. You know, if, if the Penny Sewell were to come in and be erratic at first, that's a tough transition to not play college football, to be more, well, he has plenty of technique to his game, but he wins more as an, a, just a pure athlete right now and, and being so much of a better athlete than the guys on the other side of the line. Uh, not dissimilar to what the evolution that we saw from Laramie Tunsil was. Tunsil played in a guard, and then he comes out to tackle, and he's okay, and then he's pretty good, and then he's, he took a big leap in 2018. So that's the case to be made for Penny Sewell is the pick at three. Um, but I also think there's a conversation to be had about what is the quality of the offensive tackles that would be on the board at 18. And I will guarantee you this. There will be a better offensive tackle prospect on the board with a number 18 pick in this year's draft for the Dolphins than what there was last year when they actually took Austin Jackson. Take that for what you will. Choose to use that however you will. But I guarantee you, based on seeing the quality and the depth of the top eight tackles in this year's class, and mathematically speaking, ain't no way all of them are going to be gone, there will be a better tackle than Austin Jackson on the board at 18. Penny Sewell amongst them, yes. But you would have to use three for Penny Sewell. What else might you be able to get if you chose to parlay that? Or what if you trade back? What if you trade back to you know, Carolina 8? If Carolina keeps striking out on these quarterbacks, let's say Deshaun Watson goes to San Francisco. Let's say Carson Wentz goes to Chicago, which we're expecting to be processed here in the next couple of days, as or reported, I should say. It can't get processed until the league calendar starts in mid, mid-March. Then you go back to 8, and let's, let's say the rumors are true and the whispers are true and... Uh, Rayshon Slater is is coveted higher on team boards than what Penny Sewell is because that, that is a real-life thought amongst a great deal of the insiders, the guys who are connected to the league uh, very, very closely, who have working experience in the league. Um, I know some of the guys that we have over at TDN have heard the same things from their connections within working within the league, that the league is going to value the technical side of Rayshon Slater's game as a plus athlete on the offensive line versus the uber athleticism side that Penny Sewell has, but he's not quite as technical as what Rayshon Slater is. So let's say the Dolphins trade back to eight. Carolina would be coming up for a quarterback. Atlanta could take a quarterback. I don't think they'd take an offensive tackle. I doubt they would. So let's say Rayshon Slater goes at uh, number five to the Cincinnati Bengals and the reality in which Rayshon Slater is coveted more than Penny Sewell um, because of his technical prowess. Philadelphia, wide receiver. You got Detroit. They desperately need wide receivers. You could be sitting at Penny Sewell at, at eight. So, of course, all this is contingent upon the Dolphins getting a trade partner and a dance partner because it takes two to tango. But the Dolphins are the team in the entire draft best positioned to make a transaction happen 
given the dynamics and the needs of the other two teams in front of them. Trevor Lawrence won. Jets going quarterback, starting new regime with new coach. The Dolphins are open for business. This is the luxury of being in the three-hole. And there's a realistic chance Penny Sewell may be there for you at eight if you want to advocate for it. I would advocate for the trade back before I would advocate for any individual talent must be drafted at number three. That's me personally, my point of view on it for the Dolphins. Of course, if you open up this can of worms, the question then becomes, you know, what do you do with Austin Jackson? Is he top 20 pick for you last year? Do you try and cut your losses? Do you ask him to move to right tackle? Do you keep him left tackle and just put whoever you draft at right tackle and move Robert Hunt inside? I can tell you Austin Jackson does not have a great deal of appeal as an inside blocker. So I would almost be interested in transitioning away if the table is set I'd see what I could get for Austin Jackson the problem there of course is there's going to be better offensive tackles on the board at 18 than getting Austin Jackson and Austin Jackson's uh, resume through year one was not good it wasn't terrible it was very erratic much like we thought it would be when we drafted Austin Jackson because he's young toolsy but very raw so this is kind of a an interesting spot for Miami if you want to follow through and say we must draft an offensive tackle. I would say we must draft an interior offensive lineman within the first 50 picks. That would be my case to be made. If you're getting in on some sports betting action this winter, there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The core of today's show, I'd like to compare the Dolphins to the world champs, right? Because that, that's the seat that everybody aspires to to sit in is to become world champions and Tampa Bay to their credit uh, has built a really deep roster and some of that has come from the drafting of Jason Light some of that comes from some free agent additions that they've made some of that is also a byproduct of the Tom Brady effect in which you you have Tom Brady and players will sign for veterans minimum or close to veterans minimum, just to have a chance to come play and, and, and win and potentially kind of reignite their stock as players. So all of those things were variables that were in play for Tampa Bay getting to this point as world champions. I'd like to start on the defensive side of the ball because that's going to be a more friendly conversation <laughs> as far as where Tampa Bay is as a roster versus where the Miami Dolphins are as a roster. So we, a couple weeks ago, did our evaluation of Miami and, and what we need this offseason. We made a punch list of three things. So if you listen to that show, this won't be a surprise to hear you know how we measure up in my eyes uh, to Tampa Bay. But along the defensive line, uh, I think there's some similarities. These two defenses are constructed in a very different kind of way. And, and the Dolphins are more multiple. Um, Tampa Bay 
doesn't have so many of the hybrid players, uh, but the players that they have win in the areas in which they ask them to win, in which you have Indominic and Sue and Vita Vey on the inside, and Vita Vey coming back was a big addition for Tampa Bay coming in this football game. But they're kind of built from the same model on the interior is what the Dolphins are, of, of twitchy guys, sturdy guys. Uh, I think Raekwon Davis can be a Vita Vea type. I think Christian Wilkins uh, gives you a little bit more pass rush skill than what Dominic and Sue does at this point in his career, um, but very stout in the middle up front. The difference between the two sides, in my eyes, is the pass rush group. Uh, Tampa Bay has Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett as two explosive edge rushers who can win their one-on-ones with consistency, and you saw them just torching Kansas City in last night's football game. So, of course, the conversation, the Dolphins need offensive tackle because they can't pass pro, and Kansas City couldn't pass pro, and that's why they lost the game. Um, I do think the Dolphins you know, should look at this from the other side of the coin and say, we need guys who can win their reps early. Guys who are explosive and athletic enough, but also versatile enough to check boxes for us to play in either odd or even fronts. Because Kyle Van Noy is kind of the ultimate Swiss Army knife for the Dolphins' defense with how much he can do in the front seven. But explosiveness off the edge isn't really where he wins. You need a you need designated pass rushers. Right, and, and Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett, they got after the quarterback with explosiveness driving up the field. The Dolphins do not have those types, at least not of the stature. You know, Andrew Van Ginkle, more of a, a rush linebacker, pure rush linebacker. He's got quickness, but who's like the 260-pound guy who can line up in a two or a three-point stance and drive up field and win on his third step and dip, dip the inside shoulder and claim edges? Emmanuel Agba is probably the closest thing we have to a consistent winner off the edge. But even he's you know, 275, a little bit of a different model. But I think the Dolphins, they're not far off from Tampa Bay up front. I think if you get it at a pass rush piece, I think you can compare favorably there. You get to the, the second level of the defense, the linebackers, and that is where Tampa Bay has a big advantage because they have two linebackers in Levante David and Devin White explosive, they're rangy, they're effective in pass coverage. And then you have the Dolphins who have Jerome Baker who is rangy, but not the best in pass coverage. And then whoever they had next to him because of this style of play of this defense is a bit more of a specialist. Uh, but even the, the pass coverage options that they had uh, in 2020 were not particularly effective. So you either need to go get a unicorn, a guy like a Devin White, which Micah Parsons would be the guy in this year's draft. A Nick Bolton, maybe you want to get him a little later in the draft. If he's there at 35 from Missouri, you can look at him and ask yourself if you want to go that direction. Cam McGrone from Michigan, if you want a little bit more of a developmental guy. Uh, but the Dolphins need more on the second level because what Tampa Bay was able to do in flooding the coverage was they could stay active in, in congesting the throwing lanes for Patrick Mahomes, but simultaneously you have two explosive, very fast tight ends uh, to work the middle of the field. Uh, the linebacking situation in Tampa Bay is 
significantly better than what the Dolphins can currently offer. But on the back end, I think that we're not far off here either. Uh, the difference between the two sides on the defensive secondary is the Dolphins are choosing to pay second contracts to Bobby McCain and Eric Rowe and uh, even Eric Rowe's on a cheap deal, but Bobby McCain and Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, all these guys are on like premier expensive second contracts versus Tampa Bay. Almost all of their contributors in the secondary are guys that have been drafted within the last three years as top 100 picks. Antoine Winfield was a second-round pick this year. Sean Murphy Bunting was a second-round pick two years ago. Jamil Dean was a third-round pick two years ago. Mike Edwards, safety, third-round pick two years ago. Carlton Davis, the other outside corner, second-round pick three years ago. They got all these guys on rookie contracts, but the good news is the model is the same. Uh, the model is long, explosive, physical corners. The difference is Miami is paying theirs premier money. Tampa invested in the last three years to draft all of them in recent years. But the template's the same. So I think if you figure out the B level of your defense and you're comfortable with the economics involved, and if you're not, then you're going to have to reshuffle the deck a little bit if you're the Dolphins. But I think the Dolphins defensively compare fairly well. I think you're two, three pieces away from being a championship caliber defense. That's great news for the Miami Dolphins because how much they invested in experienced players to step into this defense from 2019 to 2020, it means you're on the right track. You're absolutely right on the right track. And again, the way that they play defense is not going to be a one-to-one -one ratio with how Tampa Bay plays defense from a philosophy perspective, a formation perspective, a personnel perspective. But I could see enough here to say, yeah, we're close on this side of the ball. But the challenge is you're going to have to balance that with what is going on on the other side of the ball. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So whether you're looking for a healthy snack a breakfast on the go, something post-workout, or just like delicious things, Built Bar can fill the void for you. And best of all, Built Bar doesn't just taste good, it blows the nutritional facts of your typical protein bar out of the water. It's got 200 calories per bar or less, up to 20 grams of protein per bar, 18 delicious flavors to choose from, and one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar. So if you're looking for a change-up in your diet, visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you can save 20% off your next order of Built Bar. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, to save 20% and find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. Built Bar, by the way, sent me a complimentary trial box of the coconut brownie flavor. And I'm not a big coconut guy, but my God, I ate all six in like 24 hours. <laughs> they are really, really good. So if you're a coconut guy or girl, I would highly recommend uh, checking out coconut brownie. If you're not a coconut guy or girl, maybe get a small box or put one in a sampler box and try it. Let me know what you think. So the offensive side of the football, uh, comparing the Dolphins to the Bucks, I think there's some good lessons here uh, for the Dolphins. You look at their tight, look at Tampa Bay's tight end room. 
the tight end room, and obviously O.J. Howard from Alabama is was not available due to injury to play in this game. But Tampa Bay's tight end room is Rob Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, and Cameron Brait. Look at the running back room. The running back room for Tampa Bay is Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, who was a second-round pick three years ago, a third-round pick this year in Keyshawn Vaughn, regardless of whether or not I was overdrafted, neither here nor there. The investment is there. And veteran LaShawn McCoy. There are embarrassment of riches in the skill groups for Tampa Bay. And yes, Leonard Fournette came on one of the Tom Brady effect deals. Kind of a prove it, wants a chance to win. Well, he came and played for next to nothing, and they won, and he was a big contributor. And he's probably going to, you know, revitalize his stock and get a nice payday. But it's a really good embodiment of just like Rob Gronkowski, same thing at tight end. Obviously, Rob Gronkowski does not come out of retirement and play if Tom Brady doesn't go to Tampa Bay. But Tom Brady did go to Tampa Bay, and Rob Gronkowski's there. And like, it's a good illustration of like the Dolphins are going to have to open up their palate a little bit when they feel like they're really ready for a Super Bowl window uh, to go beyond just adding young players 26 and under every single offseason. And you got to be willing to roll the dice on a couple of guys to to hit big for you, like Rob Gronkowski did down the stretch, like Leonard Fournette did for them uh, in some key moments. But the depth that Tampa Bay has versus what Miami offers at, say, tight end with Gusecki, your your first guy's pretty darn good. Durham Smythe, he'd be tight end four in Tampa. Adam Shaheen would be tight end four in Tampa. You look at the running backs, Miles Gaskin is probably RB3 in Tampa. Matt Breida is probably worse than RB3 in Tampa. Savan Ahmed is definitely RB3, if not RB4 in Tampa. So there's this clear discrepancy with the top-end talent and the depth that Tampa has. Like That's the mentality that the Dolphins need to approach. And the good news is they didn't really try to add to the offensive side of the ball other than some bare essentials in free agency last year, signing Eric Flowers, signing Ted Karras. And you look at what they did on the defensive side of the ball, with adding Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Agba and having drafted Andrew Van Gingle and like really helped signing Kyle Van Noy, really helped along the pass rush group. Bringing in Byron Jones, you know they they have some nice depth at corner. I don't think they have enough depth at outside corner. They definitely don't have a nickel right now. You know where's Noah Igbenogany going to play? These are questions we got to sort out. But they're on the right track defensively. They've moved the needle in that direction where you can start to see it formulating and say, okay, give me a piece here, a piece there. We're working almost blank slate offensively. Now, I would prioritize the rookie offensive lineman. Uh, Austin Jackson, we've already talked a little bit about like Penne Sewell. But even up front, like the, Donovan Smith was not a good offensive tackle before Tom Brady got to Tampa Bay. In the second half of the year, Donovan Smith played really good. They drafted Tristan Wirfs in the first round. They have Ryan Jensen at center. They have Ali Marpet at guard. You take the offensive lines, how many offensive linemen between the 10 starters on both teams do you get to before you get to the best offense player, if we don't rank them all? 
I'd say Alan Marpet's one because he's experienced. I'd say Tristan Wirfs had a good enough year where I'd put him two. I'd put Ryan Jensen three. Donovan Smith played what four? Like so that that's the problem, right? And, and the good news is for the Dolphins. Player development is a real thing. Player development is going to take place with some of these Dolphins young players, and some of these players are going to get better. But we cannot assume that all of these players are going to get better, and that is the ultimate challenge, is how do you vet which players get better? You have to start isolating some variables. And as far as isolating some variables on the offensive side of the football, that's why I would be an advocate of bringing in a veteran running back, a veteran wide receiver, and another veteran offensive lineman. Like you have to get some stability and know what some of these other assets are to be able to further dial in and say, aha, okay, 2022, I need to prioritize this on the offensive side of the ball. Because that's where we're at on the defensive side of the ball, having done the same thing and isolating some variables. But everybody's so young offensive. Like you could take the Tampa Bay offensive line, and I would probably take the top four best starters on Tampa Bay before I would take my first Dolphin starter. You could take the tight end room. I would take three tight ends, not including age. I think that's a distinguishment that has to be made. You take the tight end rooms of both teams. And I'd probably take Gusecki second. But I'd have to wait a long time before I get to the second Dolphins tight end. You could take the Dolphins in Tampa Bay running back rooms and smush them together and rank them from best to worst. And I'm getting through two, if not three guys, before I get to the first Miami Dolphins. This, by the way, does not even include a wide receiver room in which Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown are present. I would take Evans and Godwin over Devontae Parker. I'd take Devontae Parker for you know consistency off the field and for where Antonio Brown is at in his career right now. I'd take Devontae Parker before Brown. But I'd take Brown before I took the next Dolphins receiver, three of the top four best receivers out of two, two of these teams combined are Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We didn't even get a quarterback. Of course we're not going to get a quarterback. It's Tom freaking Brady. So, you look at all this, and those who are super strong advocates of Tua Valo will point to this and say, well, here's your problem. And yeah, it's definitely part of the problem. The talent on this Dolphins roster is nowhere near a championship caliber. Some of that will be fixed with time and player development. Some of that will be fixed by further additions via the NFL draft slash free agency. And some of that can be fixed by the Dolphins opening their palette and bringing in more kinds of players into the fray as they feel they are closer to a championship window. But it's going to require all of those things to build a championship caliber unit on the offensive side of the ball. Patience is required. But simultaneously, there has to be a certain level of boldness about the way you build a team. Jason Light bringing Tom Brady in was bold. It was extremely bold. It was a no-brainer because it's Tom Brady. But to get it done and to totally buy in and have Tom Brady sell you in Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski and both of those guys end up scoring touchdowns in the Super Bowl, there has to be a boldness factor. And I'll give the Dolphins this. Drafting to a Tongvalo amidst the questions that he had was bold. 
their follow-through, what they do from here must follow suit, but they must be aggressive, but they cannot put all of their eggs into the NFL draft basket if they are hoping to be a competitive team to win playoff games in 2021. Because what you will get is what we saw in the Dolphins offensive line group this year. Too many young pieces, too many unknowns, and you can't afford to bring that many unknowns into the fray. So the moral of the story here, looking at Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, comparing it to the 2021 entering the offseason Miami Dolphins, embrace some free agent spending, skill players, offensive line alike. We should be rooting for the level of investment that the Dolphins made on the defensive side of the ball. We should be rooting for that level of investment into the offensive side of the ball so that that way it can make a big jump. And the Dolphins' defense, if they can plug just and patch just a few gaps along the way, this is a team that could be capable of making some noise. And that's all I've won. On the heels of a Super Bowl game, which two teams just play for the chance to be champions of the league and have a whole year of basking in the sunlight, I don't think it's too much for me to ask to sit here and ask to see the Dolphins win a playoff game. Haven't seen that in 20 years. It's been 20 years since the Dolphins won a playoff game. That's a long time. And I know anybody and everybody who's listening to this show knows how long of a time that is. And hopefully, that time can be coming to a close. If you look for and draw inspiration from a team like Tampa Bay, who had very little to no postseason success after their last Super Bowl win nearly 20 years ago, and now wakes up this morning, if they ever went to bed, calling themselves world champions. Tomorrow's Power to the Pod. Hope you guys will join me. Hit subscribe on the podcast. As always, I enjoyed talking ball, Miami Dolphins ball specifically, with each and every one of you. Looking forward to hearing what it is you want to talk about on the heels of Super Bowl Sunday. So send your questions in, iTunes review, tweet at LockedOnFins with a PH with hashtag Power of the Pod. I will take all of your best questions, and I hope to talk to you then. Thanks as always for listening. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. Kyle Krabs, talk to you again soon.